Welcome to the Urban Grace Weekly Podcast. Urban Grace is an inclusive ecumenical church in the heart of downtown Tacoma, Washington, that seeks to be a spiritual home for folks from all sorts of backgrounds. Come check us out Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. at the corner of 9th and Market. And of course, there are more details at urbangrace.org. This morning's reading is 1 Kings 19, 1 through 13. Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, So may the gods do to me and more also if I do not make your life like the life of one of them by this time tomorrow. Then he was afraid. He got up and fled for his life and came to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah. He left his servant there, but he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a solitary broom tree. He asked that he might die. It is enough now, O Lord, take away my life, for I am no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down under the broom tree and fell asleep. Suddenly an angel touched him and said to him, Get up and eat. He looked, and there at his head was a cake baked on hot stones and a jar of water. So he ate and drank and lay down again. The angel of the Lord came a second time and touched him and said, Get up and eat, otherwise the journey will be too much for you. So he got up and he ate and drank, and then he went in the strength of that food forty days and forty nights to Horeb, the mount of God. At that place he came to a cave and spent the night there. Then the word of the Lord came to him, saying, What are you doing here, Elijah? And he answered, I have been very zealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the Israelites have forsaken your government, covenant, thrown down your altars, killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left, and they are seeking my life to take it away. He said, Go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Now there was a great wind, so strong it was splitting the mountains and breaking rocks into pieces before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a sound of sheer silence. When Elijah heard it, He wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. Then there came a voice to him that said, What are you doing here, Elijah? This is the word of the Lord. Will you please pray with me? Good and gracious God, We give you thanks for your presence that's with us at all times, that saturates the world we know and the world we don't know. We pray that we will experience your presence in this moment, that we may feel and hear your word for us today. Amen.
So today's our fourth Sunday in our summer series on spirituality. And the reason we're focusing on spirituality is because of a, a growing awareness that we don't, we spend a lot of time focusing on what we believe about God, but we don't spend much time talking about how we connect to God. And our, our lack of attention to spirituality probably isn't because we all have like amazing spiritual lives and we don't need any help. It might even be the opposite, that we feel disconnected or ashamed that our prayer life has become rather dull. And I know this doesn't apply to everyone, but even if we do have rich spiritual lives, it feels wise to keep learning about spirituality because spirituality is what animates our faith, it connects us to God. And Christianity has a really long, rich tradition of spirituality we might not be familiar with. So this summer, we're exploring Christian spirituality. We started with prayer. We looked at how we engage our bodies to connect with God. Last week, we talked about writing and we heard writing. And today, we're going to look at meditation or contemplative prayer. And what we're, a lot of what we're talking about is being silent before God. So I chose a classic scripture on silence. But it doesn't actually start with silence. Before our story begins, the prophet Elijah is going through a rather chaotic time in his life. He has just challenged 400 pagan priests to prove that their God is real by making a cow explode. You know, like prophet stuff. And those pagan priests, they can't do it. But Elijah's cow, it lights up like bootleg fireworks. <laughs> and, and then everyone sees that God is the only real God. And Elijah, sensing an opportunity, de decides to eliminate the pagan religion once and for all. So he kills all 400 prophets, or 400 priests. But, but this attempt to evangelize, like evangelizing through dominance and violence, it fails like, like it always does. Not only does he fail to eliminate the pagan religion, his religious rivals are actually emboldened, and the queen of the pagans vows to kill Elijah. And that's right around where our scripture picked up. Elijah it goes into deep despair. I mean, he's really depressed. So he travels to the desert where he asks God if he can die. Elijah's at the lowest point of his life when he hears God tell him, the Lord is about to pass by. Go outside and wait for me. Now, now there's something interesting about this. It, it appears that there's something different between hearing the voice of God and being in the presence of God. As a prophet, Elijah regularly heard from God, but it's really rare that anyone ever encounters God. When, when the physical presence of God shows up, 
It's usually in a smoking ball of fire, like in the burning bush or in that great pillar of fire at the Red Sea. And this is pretty scary stuff. So Elijah braces himself. He tries to get up the courage to face God. And while he's, he's actually in a cave, he's, he's psyching himself up, and there's a huge wind. And the mountain he's on starts falling apart. But God's not in the wind. Then suddenly the ground is shaking, and an earthquake rumbles. But God's not in the earthquake. And then fire is everywhere around him. But again, God's not in the fire. Finally, after all of the chaos and noise, Elijah is enveloped by the sound of sheer silence. Elijah knows this is God. So he gathers up his courage. He covers his face. He walks out of the cave, and he encounters God in the silence. And this, it's, a, it's, a, it's a beautiful story about finding God in silence. But it's not just a story. The, the narratives of the Hebrew Bible are never just stories. They function more like myths. The point of these epic tales is not only to you know, tell the account, recount the events that happened, it also is meant to teach us about who God is and what it is to be human. So take our story. Like, on the surface, it might seem to be like an action-packed tale about earthquakes, prophets, and exploding cows, but, but this, this does not feel like a story about meditation. I mean, Elijah never even meditates. And there are places in the Bible where people do meditate. Like the time Isaac. Isaac walks into a field to meditate. So why pick a story where no one meditates to talk about meditation? To answer that, I, I want to first explain what we mean when we say meditate, or use the word meditation. The, the word simply means contemplation or reflection. We use it to describe mental exercises that help us reach spiritual awakening. And, and lots of religions, Hinduism, Buddhism, Judaism, Sufism, and Christianity, we, we each have different forms of meditation. In, in Christianity, it began right about 200 years, or 200 CE, with the Desert Fathers, these, these monks that were out in, out in the desert in Egypt, in the Sinai. And it was developed throughout the centuries in monasteries. And it actually remains a huge part of Christian spirituality particularly for the Orthodox Church, but for, for lots of Christians around the world. And, and often, uh, Christians like, like Richard Rohr won't so much call this meditation, he'll refer to it as contemplative prayer, which is a way of saying the type of meditation that developed in Christianity. 
And, you know, other religions have a little bit different versions of meditation. But we all focus on being present in the moment and quieting our mind so that we can go, so we can hear what's inside of us, so we can find God in a chaotic world. A, a couple of years ago, I was listening to a podcast, and the host, uh, well, the host said that life is like driving down the freeway. When you're driving down the freeway, you have to be alert to, to everything that's going on around you. You have to react to other drivers. You have to be ready for a stalled car that's just around the corner. Life's sort of like that. We have to be aware of everything that's swirling around us, and, and we need to be ready to react. But when we meditate, we quiet our mind so we can get out from behind the wheel of the car and simply observe what's happening in our lives. We, we step back and look at the traffic that occupies our lives rather than like thinking about all the things we need to do or how we need to respond to the traffic. I can, I'll give a little example of this. On Monday night, last week, Emily taught a class on yoga and embodied mindfulness. In the class, we, we used our bodies to help ground ourselves and, and help slow us down, and then we finished with meditation. And when I started meditating, I felt my mind racing, which is normal when you start meditating. And in this particular moment, my mind was racing as I thought about how everyone else was doing. Was Emily enjoying teaching the class? Did everyone else like it? Was chanting in Sanskrit and playing the harmonium just way too much? I may have had a thought about like, oh, I just exposed what a long-haired hippie I really am. But I kept breathing and I was able to simply step back and observe. Ben, you seem to have a lot of anxiety about everyone else's experience. What's behind that? Ah, it's your old friend, the need to be in control. He shows up a lot when you're stressed. Keep breathing and relax. Be present. What's going on with you? And without judgment or without making plans to fix anything, I took some time to listen to the still small voice that can only be heard when I shut out the worries of the world. We need silence because our world is so noisy. It seems like everyone is shouting at us all of the time. There's that growing to-do list at work, the grocery shopping that needs to get done, the bills that need to get paid, the friends and family we've been neglecting. <laughs> I mean, just yesterday I was walking to the car and the mailman asked me if I'd been on vacation because I was so bad at getting my mail. 
And, and as we experience all of these things pulling at us, we know we can't do it all. And then there's the, the big stuff, the, the racist tweets from our president, the, the news that the death penalty is coming back, the targeting of black and brown immigrants. It's so much, so much. It's like an earthquake and a tornado and a fire all at once. We are just engulfed with noise. And it's not just the bad stuff that's noisy. Sometimes the loudest things in our lives are the things that bring us the most joy. Like our kids, our personal success, binge-watching Stranger Things. Like, or the weather. I mean, uh, what grabs our attention more than a sunny 80-degree day in the Pacific Northwest? And honestly, the good stuff, that's the noise that most looks the most like God. But in our story today, God is not in the noise. God's in the silence. God is, um, excuse me, uh, this is more than just an action-packed story. This, it's a, it's a myth or a beautiful metaphor about how we find God in a noisy world. And our story or our metaphor is filled with these little nuggets of truth. Like what actually happens when Elijah meets God in the silence. God's not angry that Elijah's running away. Instead, God asks him a question. What are you doing here, Elijah? And God's not asking about like Elijah's afternoon plans. This is a question about Elijah's very existence, about the purpose of his life. Elijah is in the midst of an existential crisis. He's running away. He wants to quit his job. He wants to quit his life. So God simply asks him, what are you doing with your life? And that is the kind of question that often bubbles up when we quiet the noise in our lives or even just set the noise aside for a moment. When we give ourselves the grace to look at our lives without judging or planning, when we're simply present in the moment, we begin to hear the subtle voices that have been drowned out. And in that quiet, when we start, we go inside and listen, the big questions often bubble up. And, that, and the story of Elijah is honest about that. Because you know what happens next? God introduces Elijah to his replacement. When Elijah, Elijah slows down, he learns it's time for a new chapter in his life. And, and it's not always like that. Quiet or meditation can be blissful sometimes. And it can be deeply profound. 
you know the, the verse that I threw up there, the one where Isaac meditates? It doesn't lead to some life-changing question. In the next verse after that, Isaac meets the love of his life. Sometimes meditation can be awesome like that. I know when I started meditating, uh, I, I was not in the middle of like an existential crisis and, and it didn't cause me to change jobs. For me, it, it just helped me experience God. And I've, I've talked about this a few times in the last couple weeks. I'm not great at traditional prayer. I, I often find it sort of boring or sometimes I let my mind spin as I narrate the anxieties of the world. So I've sort of struggled with prayer for a while. But, but when I began meditating, it, it felt like a whole new world. Meditation helped me slow down so I didn't get distracted. Sometimes it, it gave me t the time to, to let my mind wander and go wherever it needed to go. <laughs> Another way of saying this, it just chilled me out in the best sort of way. It helped me be more grounded and more patient and more connected to God. I, I learned that, that what I need in my spiritual life is less talking and more listening. And when I started meditating, really what I felt is like I had a, a spiritual life I was excited about for the first time in a long time. And that's just me. You might not like meditating or contemplative prayer, and that's just fine. Uh, meditation and contemplative prayer, they're great for some folks and not for others. So you might not like it, or you might not be familiar with it. I mean, I thought about actually, in the same way that last week we sort of mixed up our service and did uh, and heard from writers and heard some writing, I thought about trying to have us meditate in the service, and I just thought it would probably fail miserably, um, and, and more that we didn't have time to do it justice. So instead, we're going to offer that class I mentioned on uh, next Monday, August 5th. Our Minister of Spiritual Care, Leslie, will host Paul Reitman from the Contemplative Society of Tacoma. And, and they'll provide an introduction to contemplative prayer. You'll get to learn about breath prayer and using Christian mantras, which are just phrases or scriptures to help focus our mind. And they'll introduce us to centering prayer and, and really some of the basic structures of contemplative prayer. And, and like I said, we don't quite have time to get into that, this this morning. But as I close, I'd like to invite us to slow down. I'd like to invite you to join me in a prayer of rest and silence. So will you take a long, slow breath? Now close your eyes. God of the quiet places, who awaits us deep within, we welcome you. We welcome all the feelings, 
the emotions, and the thoughts we bring with us. We take a moment of silence and welcome all that is. As we welcome all that surfaces, we let go. We let go of our desire for power and control. We let go of our desire for approval or recognition. We let go of our desire for survival and security. Lord, help us to be present in this moment that we may experience the embrace of your loving presence. Amen.